Thanks for joining us on the New Beginnings Podcast, where our goal is to help people connect with Christ. We hope you enjoy listening. the start of our, our, really the month of our 10 year anniversary, but also, like I said, there's a divine kind of coincidence here that it's also the legacy, uh, anniversary. And so if you don't know what legacy is, we're going to dive into that today. And we're going to talk about this because the Bible speaks so much to this idea of legacy. And so, uh, I can't wait to, to open up the scriptures with you in just a minute, but let me, let me give you the backdrop and real quickly, how many of you have only maybe been with new beginnings for maybe like the last year or to two years or something like that? Would you slip your hand up in there? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Give these guys a big hand clap. Cause we have some old school people. We got some new school people. And so if you've only been with us for the last year or two, you don't maybe know the full story of everything of, of what's going on. And if you're really new, let me, let me kind of bring you up to that. It was a little over two years ago. The director of the Schreiner Event Center approached me just on a random Sunday afternoon and, and we get to chat and, and he's a good dude. I really like him. His name is Wayne. And that's just a cool name. It's very manly. Wayne. And Wayne's a golfer. So we'll talk golf sometimes and me and Wayne are hanging out talking and he goes, Hey, do you guys want to buy this building? And, you know, what do you say when somebody asks you, do you want to buy a building? You know, it's kind of like, sure, of course, you know, yes, of course I do. And it wasn't like it had never crossed our mind before. And I was like, but I was put on the spot. I didn't see, I didn't see it coming. And I'm like, well, yeah, I said, I don't know if we can, I don't know if we can afford it, but like, heck yeah, I'd love to buy this building. And so that really kind of opened this door into like, okay, well, let's figure out what that would look like. And I, I literally called like construction guys and I called real estate guys and I called uh, pastors that had done this before. And heck, I called bankers. I called everybody I could call to say, Hey, what do you think? Here's kind of the scope and the range and the numbers and the, what we do know what we don't know here's you know what do you think and and then you know we took it to our board we took it to different church members and everybody came back with a that's awesome let's do it like everybody was like no that's a great opportunity that's a killer building yeah let's do it and so um but i remember when i talked to the banker though because he was like a Southern California guy. He was a guy that specialized with churches with a specific bank and and he asked me an interesting question because he said well why do you want the building and nobody had asked me that question yet i'm like well uh why wouldn't you want the building, you know, like, and I started thinking like a pastor, I'm like, well, I think we could do this and we could do that. And we, you know, what do we expand these things and do more here and whatever. But what hit my heart when I really wrestled with that question was, why do I want to buy the building? And it didn't have anything to do with the details and the particulars. It had to do with like something deeper than that. And I remember having this sense, and this is where this idea of legacy comes from. The reason why I want to buy the building is because I want New Beginnings Church to be connecting people to Christ for like generations to come. I want to be like an old guy in a black and white photo in a hallway that nobody walks down. And there's somebody one day is like, who's that old guy? And I want to be like having pictures of all of us praying over stuff and being like, who are all those old people? And why does that photo look so out of date? You know, could you ever notice like, you see those old pictures? It just doesn't look the same. It's just something. And I was like, I want to be an old guy in a picture in a hallway one day with a bunch of people who prayed for this thing to happen. I want this, this church to be connecting people to Christ long after I'm gone and I can't preach no more and maybe I'm with Jesus and I don't care. I just want people to be, and that's why, that's why legacy exists. And so this building opportunity was presented to us and it became, yes, let's go for it. Let's do it. And so what we did was we eventually brought that to a group of people and said, Hey, would you get uh, on the forefront of this? And would you pledge in advance? And would you lead the way? And then we brought it to the entire congregation. And, and again, this is two years ago. 
March 2017, we had Pledge Week, and many of you filled out a card and said, I'm willing to give this much above and beyond my normal giving every week or month or whatever it was that you uh, felt was best for you, whatever you prayed about. And then the week after that, we did something called Miracle Offering Sunday. And so we launched that day, and literally, I think we raised $100,000 in one day to launch this legacy campaign. And I think over the course of the year, we raised an additional 200 grand, maybe a little bit more. I, I can go get you those details. But but then we, then, then we come back back around and we decided this would be a three-year campaign because of when they wanted to sell the building and how long we thought it would take for us to raise uh, the money that we needed. And so, and even that is a big question mark. You don't know because we live in California, right? Which real estate in California makes you want to kick your dog, right? Like, it's just like, I hate it anyway. And so, um, or your cat, you know, whatever, whatever, probably the cat. So, Anyway, I, we love God's little creatures. And so, um, don't kick your animals. I'm just kidding about that. So, but, but real estate. So, so at the time that we were saying, Hey, what's the most recent appraisal on the building? And then when we talked to the bank, it was like, well, Hey, you know, we'll, we, we, the bank will never loan you more than about three times your annual income. And then, you know, so, so there's all these unknowns. There's all these things we don't know, but here's what we do know. We do know that they are intending on selling the building and then we know that we want to buy it and we're going to do everything we can and we're going to swing for the fence. And so here's what we're going to do. We're back to really our second year anniversary which is the start of our third full year into the legacy campaign. And so I'm asking you to do the very same thing that we've been doing for these last two years, and that's to pray. Can you do that real quick here? This is what I really need you to do. I need you to pray. I need you to pray for our church. I need you to pray for me. I need you to pray for this opportunity. I need you to pray for favor. I need you to pray for the Shriners and everything goes well with them. And so I need you to pray. But the second thing I need you to do is I need you to consider your finances because this is not something that will happen um, spontaneously. Does that make sense. This is not something that all of a sudden, like there's no fairies, there's no leprechauns, there's no magic wands. There's not, no, no, this will be done by like legitimate, radical, sacrificial generosity by a collective group of people. And so I need you to consider your finances. You're already givers. You're already a generous church. I love you for that. I'm so proud of you that every time we, we give to causes or raise money for things or do it, you're, you're already great. You're already generous. And then we introduce legacy you guys stepped up even more. And so um, here's what I would encourage you to do. Uh, and, and on March 24th of this year, we will come right back around and we will have another pledge week. And if you've already pledged, then I just want you to refill out that card and recommit or re whatever it is. You can put the same numbers down. Heck, you can increase it if you want. It's crazy to think about it like that, but you can, you can increase it. If, if times have become difficult and changed, you know, do whatever you have to do, but re-pledge. And if you've never done this before, you have to do this and consider this for the very first time. What can I do above and beyond my normal giving throughout the course of this year to help legacy happen? Now, here's the other date. So that's March 24th. On March 31st, we are going to return back to Miracle Offering Sunday. And here's what Miracle Offering Sunday is. It is a one week we totally swing for the fence. And we ask everybody to pray and say, what is the best one-time gift that I can give towards legacy. And again, we've raised over $560,000 in these first two years. And so we got one more year to go. And we just need you to, again, pray with us. Consider your finances. Let God speak to you. And whatever God puts on your heart, hey, lean into that with faith and excitement and be a part of what we're doing. Can I get a yeah and an amen and a woo-woo? Yeah, yeah. So... And here's, cause here's what I know. I know, and especially if you're a first time guest, you're like, I came on a week. They're going to talk about money. Yeah, you did. Um, and, and so that's why you need to stay with us and, and get back in here for the next several weeks. And so this is such a big deal to our church because it's so pivotal to our future. 
And the Bible speaks to this idea of legacy. Because when God laid that on my heart, I started to search out the scriptures. I'm like, well, what does the Bible say about this idea called legacy? And there's a lot of scriptures. But I found one set of scriptures that I want to share with you today. And it's a set of scriptures where Paul kind of steals a phrasing from Jesus. And he steals this, this phrasing that refers to you being so legacy minded with your finances that you're not just thinking about your retirement, although that's important. You're not even thinking about what you leave to your kids or even your kids' kids like Solomon said. He said, I want you to think about your eternal legacy. And he shares it in the book of First Timothy. So it's Paul telling Timothy something fascinating and it has to do with legacy. Let's read it together. Watch this. So. Again, if you have your Bible, 1 Timothy chapter 6, it says this. It says, command those who are rich. Everybody say rich. And that's not us, so we don't have to read this part, but we'll read it anyway just because it's in here. So it says, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant. That's good because we've all known some rich people and they stunk at being rich. They were kind of snooty. They were kind of arrogant. So that's good that Paul would tell them to not be so snooty. And so he said, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth. Because that's uncertain. Actually, you want to put your hope in God because he richly provides us everything for our enjoyment, which I found that to be interesting. And he goes, command them, these rich people, to do good, to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. And in this way, this is where Jesus is, is kind of referenced a little bit here. In this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, the life to come, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Now, that's fascinating. Isn't that fascinating? Like, you got to think about this. The Apostle Paul tells Timothy, who's a young pastor, he goes, hey, look, you're going to end up with some rich people in your church. And, and, and there's some specific things that you need to tell rich people, right? Because rich people have different problems than other people have, right? They have different issues, different concerns, different stresses. He goes, you need to be careful that you address them because God loves everybody. God loves rich people and poor people, so you got to address them. And so what I found to be interesting is a few observations is, is that the Bible actually teaches them how to be rich, not get rich. There's a lot of books on how to get rich, right? I think Trump has a book on get rich. I think there's a, there's a book. I found a book about how to get rich in the rising Asian market. There's how to get rich quick online. There's how to get, there's a lot of books on how to get rich. And the Bible doesn't teach you how to get rich. It teaches you how to be wise, but not necessarily get rich, but it also teaches you how to be, everybody say be how to be rich. And I thought that's interesting because everybody's trying to sell a book on how to get rich. The Bible's trying to tell you how to, how to be rich. And some of you are thinking, well, Todd, this really doesn't matter to me. And I'm like, maybe not, but here's, here's, I hope you're rich one day. And if nothing more, the things I say in the next few minutes will at least prepare you for if you ever do cross that line to being rich, you'll be good at being rich, right? Because I want you to be good at being rich because we, again, know a bunch of people that are bad at being rich. We look at them and we think this, we think that if we ever did get rich, we generally think, well, I'd be good. I'd be a good rich person. I had this conversation the other day. I was in the hallway talking to a dude and we were talking about, you know, if we won the big lottery, I don't know how this came up. It was like, if you won the big lottery and we both agreed, you know what? If we won, we would be good. We would be good at being rich. And so it's important that you know, and here's the other thing too. This is what you know to be true too. You know, rich people. And if you ask them if they were rich, what would they tell you? They tell you, no, why? Because what they would do is they would point to somebody that was richer than them and say, well, I'm not really rich. I mean, these people, these people are really, really rich. And so what that proves is, is that one day you'll cross a line where you are not rich and then you're going to be rich, but you don't, you don't know where the line is. 
because those people don't know where the line is and they don't know that they're rich. They think other people are rich. And so what that lets you know is, is that it's possible that you cross the line into rich and you won't even know, you won't even know that it happened. And so Paul takes time and he says this, he goes, command those who are rich. Because again, rich people have different problems, different issues than normal people, regular people. Like I'll give you some examples. Are you ready for this? Watch this. Check this out. Rich people have so much money that they can't even carry it all or keep it all in their house. Rich people have places that hold their money for them. They're called banks. And, and they, cause they have so much money that they don't even, they got out of room enough in their pocket. They don't, they don't want to stick it in their mattress. They got room. So they put it in banks and banks actually hold their money really, really safely for them. And so, and then because they have so much money in banks, what happens is, is that when their kids go to college, they pay for their kids to go to college. Like that's crazy, right? So like rich people have extra money. They have more than they need. They put it in banks. They, they buy cars. They buy their kids cars and they, that's just what they do. They have vehicles. And here's, here's another one. Um, some rich people have so much money that they have what's called like financial advisors. They have people that plan what to do with their money, right? Some of them have brokers. Like, I, I got this extra money. What do I do with this? And so they plan what they're going to do with their money. As a matter of fact, some of them have so much money that they plan on what to do when they're dead because they realize that they're going to run out of time before they run out of money. And then their kids are going to argue and fight over it. So they got to plan what their kids are going to do with this extra leftover money. Are y'all okay? Are y'all just, y'all aren't sure what to do with me right now? Let me, let me keep going. Let me, uh, Rich people have lots of food. Like it's crazy how much food they have. They have so much food that what they do is they go and they buy prepackaged food that other people make or they just go sit down in these other places and people just bring them food. Hot and ready. They bring them food. But what they do is when they're not at those places, they have these these things called refrigerators. And then what they do is they open up their refrigerator and it's actually full of food, but then they say stuff like, there's nothing to eat in here. And then you know, here's what's crazy what they do. Super rich people. This is what super rich people do. Super rich people have a refrigerator. It works fine, but they go in their kitchen and they're like, you know what? I think we need a new refrigerator. And they go buy new refrigerators. Like their old one works fine, but they go buy a new one. And they put it next to countertops, right? That work fine. Like you could sit on these things if you want. They work, but they look at their countertops and they say, you know what? We need new countertops. And this is what they do because they have, they have extra money. They have more money than they need. They have this, they have a little home. This is crazy. They have a home for their clothing. Like, like some people don't have rooms. These people have rooms just for their clothes to live in. And then what they do is they go into these rooms that their clothes live in and they stare at it. And then they say stuff like, I don't have anything to wear. So what they do is, is they give away or throw away these old clothes and then they go replace them with brand new clothes. Like they have multiple sets of clothing. It's nuts. Anyway, let's keep going. Um, while the woman is usually the one looking into the closet saying, I don't have anything to wear. Her husband is off in a different room. It's called a garage because they own cars. And then what they have is they have homes for their cars. That's crazy. Like some people don't have cars. Some people don't have homes. These people have homes for their cars. Some people, now these are the elite rich. The elite rich not only have a home for their car, what they've done is they've accumulated so much stuff that they actually don't have, their their car got pushed out of their home. And their their car home is so full of other stuff that they bought with the extra money because they had so much money. That's crazy. Let, I'm, this is where, okay, again, this is su- the only super rich people here. Super rich people work at these companies or, or they have these jobs. Maybe they work for themselves, but what they do is, is that the company looks at them and says, Hey, 
don't come to work and we're going to pay you. Like, yeah, I don't have to come to work. No, you don't have to come to work. You don't have to come to work and we'll pay you. It's called time off. And they literally pay people not to show up and not to work. Like for at least like maybe a couple, two, three days, three, two, three weeks. They say, don't, don't you have to come to work. We're going to pay you. And then what the super rich people do is what they, they go and get with their family and then they argue and fight over well, where they're going to go when they're not working, but they're getting paid to work. And then they're going to go to special places and argue about where to go so they can spend the extra money that they have. We call it, we would call it like a vacation or something like that. And so, um, and this creates so much stress. It's stress to like figure out what to do with your money when you're dead. It's stressful to like plan vacations. It is stressful to have to go buy a new refrigerator. Why? Because you don't know. I got sold a, a, a washing machine. I had a washing machine. I got a new washing machine. He was it, The guy's name was Jesus. We called him Jesus. And so he Jesus sold me, and it was a bad one. It was not a good, and I was stressed because I had this money that I could buy a washing machine with. And so anyway, it's just sometimes rich, pe- rich people have stress, and we need to pray for them. And I feel like I've confused you because now you're like, well, wait a minute, is he talking about me or is he not talking about me? Because sometimes he is and sometimes he's not. And now I'm confused. And that was the point of that entire bit. <laughs> that was the point. Because what I just, what I just, what I just shared with you is that there's a, there's a potential that you're rich and you didn't know you were rich. And some point in time, you crossed the line and you became rich and you didn't even know you were rich. You didn't feel rich because if I said, Hey, are you rich? You would all say, No, of course not. That's weird. As a matter of fact, if I were to say, like, this is, this is so weird. Watch this. If I were to say, and don't, don't do it, dear God, don't do it. But if I were to say, Hey, if you're rich in here, raise your hand. Nobody will raise their hand. You know why? Cause it's weird. There's almost like a social weirdness now about being rich. It's almost like looked down upon to a certain degree. Because if I said, hey, how many of you in here are tall? You'd just raise your hand. If I said, how many of you are musicians? You'd raise your hand. How many of you are rich? You're like, I'm not doing that. That's stupid. That's weird. And and it's kind of looked down upon now if you have money. It's like a social weird thing. It's like part social, cultural, climate, political. It's weird. And, and so what you have is, is you have this, this weird thing going on where I think I might be rich, but I certainly don't feel rich. And I don't think I'm rich, but other people might think I'm rich. And, and here's, so here's the question. All right, so let's, let's just dive in. Since, since none of us feel rich, most of us, a couple of us might want to raise their hand. But anyway. Here's the big question. How much does it take to be considered rich? Isn't that a good question? How much does it take? Like, okay, maybe I did cross the line here, Todd. You're messing with me, and I know you're messing with me, but I need to know, are you saying I'm rich or not? Well, here's the deal. Here's a fascinating thought that I want you to consider. There was a Gallup poll, and they asked people, how much money would it take for you to feel or to be considered rich? Now, you want to know what the answer is? Okay, so they talked to people who only made like 30 grand a year. And they said, how much would it take for you to be considered rich? And you know what they said? They said that if I made $74,000 a year, I'd, I'd be considered rich. If I could go from 30 to 74. Now what they did was ask a different group of people that made about 50 grand. And they said, how much would it take for you to be considered rich? And they said, well, 100 grand. I need at least 100 grand. And then what they did is they kept going up. And what the results were is that the answer to the question, how much does it take to be considered rich? The answer was all the same in essence. Because the answer was, more than I currently have. Which means this, rich is a moving target. If I get here, it just moves ahead. 
If I get here, it just moves in. Why? Because, but Todd, I got to pay for their kids' college. But Todd, I got to buy this. But Todd, my wife shops too much. But Todd, and you got all of your things. And I, all I'm telling you is that it moves, it moves forward. Because you have to ask yourself this question. Did you ever, do you ever feel rich in life? Have you ever once like said, man, I feel, I feel rich. The only time I ever felt rich was when I was 14. Right? I lived at home. Mom and dad paid for everything. And I got my first job doing construction, which really meant hauling trash. Because when you're 14, they don't let you operate machinery yet. And so, uh, so yeah, I moved trash. But I got paid cash money under the table, making some pretty good money. And I remember my first paycheck. You know, I don't have bills. I don't pay insurance. I don't do anything. I live off my parents. And all of a sudden, I felt like a baller because I had this stack of cash as a 14-year-old. And I'm like, man, I felt like doing this right here. Like I'm making it rain in my room, playing with it. Um, that's the only time I ever, I ever felt, I felt rich. And what that tells you is, is that again, um, there's something about this rich thing that you need to get your, your, your head wrapped around. Now watch this, watch this, watch this. Now you're going to know maybe if you're rich or not. Okay. You ready? I'm going to let you in on the secret. Okay. Internationally speaking, I'm going to compare you to the world because we live in a world, right? Not California. Let's not get carried away. But the world. If you make, and don't raise your hand. This is not a hand raising thing. If you make $37,000 per year, you're in the top 4% of wage earners in the world. Nope, nobody did it. I was just checking. I thought somebody might like high five their wife and be like, yes, we did it. We did it, baby. We made it. We're rich. Okay, watch, watch this. If, 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 if you make $45,000 a year, um, you're in the top 1% of wage earners in the world. Yeah. So you know those Occupy Wall Street people that were against the one percenters? That's most of you. They are angry at you, so be careful. Don't wear a make a great America hat again. Don't, and don't let anybody know how much money you make because you are in the one percent and they will be upset with you. You're a one person, you're probably a one percenter. Now listen, let me, let me be careful here because I want to be careful because I love you as, as your pastor. If you are out there and you say, Todd, that ain't me. You know, I really have fallen on hard times and maybe there's been layoffs or disability or there's things and there's, I don't want to make light of this. But most of us. Because if you're out there and things are really upside down and you're really struggling, I love you. I have so much compassion. Let me pray for you. Let us help you. Like anything we can. But listen, listen, listen. I, I think we know what I'm what I'm trying to address here, and it's this: is that most of us, the reason why we don't think we're rich is because we don't we don't feel rich. Is that fair? The reason why we don't think we're rich is that we don't feel rich. Because nobody is their 14-year-old version of themselves thinking like, look at how much money I got. Because we got stress. We got bills. We got problems. We got insurance. We got taxes. Property taxes. Bless God, property taxes. So we got all this stuff. And what, what I'm trying to show you is, is that if you don't know that you're rich, then you're going to keep trying to get rich and you'll never figure out how to be rich. And the Bible doesn't teach you how to get rich. It teaches you how to be rich. And most of us were kind of rich and we didn't know it. And we certainly don't feel that way. So the first lesson that you have to ask or you have to really remind yourself is this, is that the first lesson in being rich is to recognize how rich you are. That there is a potential that you're rich. And if you are, then I need to teach you. And the apostle Paul really is wanting to teach you not how to get rich, 
Because many of you already are rich. You just didn't think you were rich because you don't feel rich. And therefore, you're trying to get rich instead of learning how to, how to be rich. There's a story where uh, Bill Gates, who is obviously a philanthropist now at this stage in his life and his career. And, and he was in India doing some incredible work, some good things. And he's got so much money, he is literally trying to figure out how to give away his money and plan his money and make a difference in the world. And that's wonderful. And he was in India, and there's a reporter following him along. And he goes to this very remote village. And he begins to speak with like a really old poor woman and just talk to her. And through a translator, this doesn't speak the language. And um, and when when Bill left... The translator looked at the woman and, and speaking to her own language, he said, hey, do you know who you were just talking to? And she goes, no. He goes, that is literally the richest man in the world. And she, without skipping a bee, and she goes, everybody from the West is rich. To her, it didn't matter because it was all the same at some point. Look, if you could afford a plane ticket to come to this crappy place and you could travel over here and you could get, if you could just get here, you're rich. And everybody in the West, if anybody from the West traveled to visit India, bless God, I just, they were rich. And at that point, they're all one percenters. They're all the same. It's all the same. It's all in one category now. And so, again, you might need to just recognize that this whole time you were rich. You didn't know how rich you were, and you were trying to get rich. But Paul says, I want you to figure out how to be rich. And, and again, the first lesson is maybe I just need to be aware. Maybe I need to be thankful. Maybe I need to be grateful. Maybe I just need to be a little more conscious of the fact, man, I am incredibly Blessed. And so this is, this is, this is maybe the way that you would want to think about it like this. If you can say this, this, this is true. I have more than I need. I'm rich. You guys want to do that with me? It'll be really weird, really uncomfortable. Let's all say it together though. That way nobody feels left out. You ready? I have more than I need. No, you guys say it after me. We're totally, we totally messed that up. Let's try that again. I'll say it and then you say, I have more than I need. I'm rich. That's, that felt weird inside, didn't it? Did anybody feel just a little weird? Like, I'm rich. You know, you threw up in your mouth just a little bit. So just to get, just to get it fully out of your system, because it feels weird to say that you're rich. Cause you, can you imagine? Like, cause your kids are going to come up to you after church. They're like, mommy and daddy, are we rich? And what are you going to say? No, we're not rich. And definitely don't go to school and say that, right? But, but, but really, everybody sitting, I have more than I need. I'm rich. Now, if you're a Christ follower, here's the Christian version of it. We'll do it like this. God has blessed me with more than I need. I'm rich. I'm rich. Now, there's a temptation. Again, it's weird. It's a social thing right now. I don't know why it is this way. But there's sometimes a guilt that comes with being rich. And the Bible does not teach that. That's cultural. The Bible actually teaches this. Watch this. This is a scripture. Ecclesiastes 5.19 says, Moreover, when God gives any man wealth and possessions and enables him to enjoy them to accept his lot and be happy in his work. Meaning like all these good things. He's got wealth, possessions. He's enjoys his, this is a, what a gift from God. God has blessed you. You live in the most prosperous nation in the history of the world. You live in the most prosperous time in the history of the world. You live in one of the most beautiful areas in the entire world. You and I are so blessed, but we've probably never been 
to third world countries. We've probably never seen what real poverty looks like. And so what we do is, is because we're fixated on the Facebook feed and we're looking at what they just bought and what trip they just took. And we drive ourselves through communities that we can't afford to live in, but how great it would be. And we look at other people drive cars that we think, listen, listen, we have been incepted. Like, like we have been duped. We have been lied to because you, the only reason you don't feel rich is you keep looking at people that are richer than you. But reality is this, you have more than you need. You're rich. Now here's the deal. Here's the thing about being rich. The thing about being rich, this is the problem, is that you don't know that you're rich. That's the first problem. But the second problem, and this is what we're going to get into in weeks to come, because it's 1107 if you're taking medicine, is you have an incredible responsibility. See, all those verses in the Bible that talk about rich people, when we read our Bibles, we skipped right over them because we thought, well, that applies to other people. What if, what if that applies to me? And what if that applies to you? Because the Apostle Paul takes a moment to teach a young pastor, this is what you do for people who have more than they need. You need to warn them and you need to teach them. They have an incredible responsibility. And he leads you down a path, and we'll get into it next week, that the path eventually leads to you making an eternal difference and leaving an eternal legacy. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me today? The apostle Paul says, man, these, these rich people, you gotta, you gotta kind of warn them. You gotta tell them, you gotta encourage them. He said, but if you do, if they'll catch it, if they'll get a glimpse of how blessed, of how good, of how much, of how, if, if they'll get a glimpse, man, if they can catch on, I'm telling you, they, they will lay up a treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age and they will take hold of life that is truly life. Lord, help us to discover that today. And in the weeks to come, Lord, we pray this in Jesus' name. And we all said, amen. Can you give the Lord a big hand clap this morning? Thanks again for listening to the New Beginnings Podcast. For more information on New Beginnings Church, please visit us online at nbchurch.tv.